Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Thank you to Nobles Networking here in Cochran, Georgia. Hit them up for some internet today. Red Circle for putting a little change in my pocket. And all the other sponsors on the show, you guys are awesome. Today we have uh, got something that's really special today. Um, We've got some people who have dealt with substance abuse in the past and now uh, teach recovery. I guess is that the right way you would say it? It is. Tell them about your organization real fast, the name of it, and then you know, give them y'all's names. The organization that we have is called Crossroads Recovery Ministries. My name is Brad Sapp, and basically what we do is come alongside guys who have struggled with addiction in the past, um, but pretty much any hang-up uh, and teach them how to stay clean, um, walk out a life of recovery and sobriety, um, and ultimately let God be enough um, to learn from their mistakes and be the men that they were created to be. I love it. And you are his wife, correct? Yes, I'm J.D. Sapp. I'm Brad's wife. Um, together we started the ministry in 2015. And so we've gotten to see just recovery and freedom from addiction play out over and over. And it's been pretty cool. Uh, this is one of the episodes, our top episodes, absolutely love doing. Mm-hmm. We play around a lot here. <laughs> and uh, we have too much fun sometimes. But uh, I say it over and over again that I hope one day I got enough money or I'm in this right position in life to where I can be an activist and help people. Mm. Um, so I very much admire what y'all are doing. I have a sister who has been in and out of rehab uh, since, I don't know, she's six years younger than me, um, probably the past eight years. Um, but the past three years, she's been a house mother um, and has decided pretty much never to come back to our hometown, which mm-hmm. I think is a very good idea mm-hmm. for her. Um, and now she's uh, helping kids and helping young women. And I would have never thought eight years ago when her struggle began that she would be where she is now. So uh, I love being around folks like y'all um, because it saved my sister's life. Awesome. So uh, how did um, you, I guess we need to start with y'all's backstory first before we get into the program. Um, kind of tell them, you know, y'all, y'all's journey. Okay. Well, um, I guess I'll just start with kind of our backgrounds as a couple. So um, we're high school sweethearts, so we've been together a long time. (laughs) Um, And since 1996. (laughs) And so we both grew up in the same small town, not too far from here. We're both from Wilkinson County. Um, So we grew up there, always knew each other, and uh, we were high school sweethearts. Like I said, it started in 1996. And then we got married in 2002. And so we're coming up on 19 years this summer, and uh, there was definitely a time <laughs> along our journey that I wasn't sure we would make it to this point, um, but God's been so faithful to us all the way through, and so we got married in 2002, and I guess we bumped up against addiction for the first time in 2004, and so it wasn't very long, which has sometimes given me a complex, wondering <laughs> if, if I'm the reason that this began, but, but I know that's not true. I've been in it long enough to know that's not true. Um, but yeah, so I'll kind of let Brad pick up the story from there and how it kind of started rolling for him. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, throughout, um, high school and stuff, I was always heavily involved in sports primarily. Um, didn't really struggle with anything uh, at a young age. But when I was 21, um, my dad, growing up in Wilkinson County, um, McIntyre to be exact, we... Uh, I was not from McIntyre, I was from Gordon. Uh, yeah. I li- I li- <laughs> That's it, important. Isn't Danville right around there? Danville's not I lived, I lived there for the past two years. Okay. So yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Wilkinson County. So, um, 
But my dad owned a heating and air company in Gordon, um, did heating and air my whole life. Uh, when I was 21, I was at Georgia College in Milledgeville, um, living the college life, you know, uh, doing what we do, thinking that I had the rest of my life to essentially grow up, figure out what I wanted to do. Um, when I got a phone call that there was an accident and I needed to run to go to the hospital. Um, when I got to the hospital, my dad was laying um, on a hospital bed and uh, he had suffered third degree burns um, pretty much over his entire body. They were putting in a system and some glue caught on fire and through trying to put it out, he fell into the hole uh, where the fire was coming from and was burnt. And five days later, he died in the Augusta Burn Center. And mm. um, my life uh, was turned upside down literally overnight. Uh, what I've learned since is that in that moment, um, I became a hard-hearted kid that was angry at God. I was pissed because I had lost my dad, but I had no idea how to tell anyone that. I didn't know how to say, I'm sad, this hurts. I was very much a, we're men, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we go on about our business. Um, to complicate things even more, I grew up in the church. Um, but it was mostly a hellfire and damnation type of messages that I heard in a Southern Baptist, you know, and in my mind, it's like, well, I can never read that Bible enough or learn enough about it or be a good enough Christian and play in sports and doing everything I had done. If I'm not going to be great at it, I'm not even going to try it. Yeah. So I felt like I could never be good enough. Um, so why even try? And God was... He was always angry at me, throwing lightning bolts down, judging, you know, just that I could never perform enough to, to earn his love. And that's what I thought in my mind because playing sports, how far I can hit a baseball is how, how, how hard I can hit somebody on the football field. That earns love or respect from people. You get validation back got, for exactly, it right away. Exactly, from my performance. Yeah. So I, could, I felt like I could never be a good performer for God. Um, because I can never learn enough about the Bible and certainly too was, many rules you thought yeah too, too many, many rules to follow. follow too flawed inside I'd never be a preacher or you know that was always for other people um, and then when I lost my dad and, and you know nobody's perfect uh, but my dad lived that Bible to the best of my knowledge that I saw growing up you know he didn't cuss and drink uh, he was a modest man that ran a heating and air company and provided for his family and was you know did a lot for the community so you combine that with fire and burning and the hurt that comes from that, um, man, I was pissed for a long time. When and he couldn't, it's always interesting to me that growing up in church, going to a Christian school, always being around it, but yet he'd never heard of the loving side of God yeah, see, that was and the, the grace. The first time I got saved was mm -hmm. because I was scared of hell. Yeah. The second time I yeah. got saved is because I figured out God's love. Right, right exactly. I think I, most of us yeah, in this Bible I, Belt. I, I when that <laughs> when that dude came to our church, I remember I was like in seventh grade, and he mm -hmm. was preaching that hellfire and brimstone mm -hmm. stuff, and I was like, I don't want to burn for eternity. Right, like, I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't like that. Like that's one of the things that I get why people do it. Yeah, but I feel like you're not supposed, to, not that you're not supposed to teach it. Right. But show God's love and let that what brings yeah, you. Yeah, you teach it in a healthy way, whereas yeah. most of we get fear-based religion so much because yeah. I was the same way. I'd go down front and get saved just to keep from going to Every this hell that y'all keep talking about. You know? But for him, I think, so never hearing God's love and then seeing his dad, who was his hero, this good man, right? And he was he was physically burned the way the bad people in hell yeah. burn, right? And he could not reconcile it. 
like that's why his heart became so hard because he could not you know, make it work. Yeah. And a loving I, God that would do this. One of those guys that, that tries to make sense of everything, you know, like how, how is this going to work out one day? How is this going to make sense? And, and I couldn't, um, knew from a young age that, that, that is what led me down alcohol and drugs. And yeah. I knew from a young age that pain pills did more for me than just take away the pain. I'd get hurt in football or have accidents and, and they did way more than just do what they were prescribed to do. They actually made me feel great. Um, so it wasn't long after Daddy died that I turned to uh, to alcohol and pills to numb the pain that I was feeling inside. Well, you um, had a it, legitimate injury first. Yeah, and I ended up tearing my ACL. Um, I was dabbling in pills and and, pain, and alcohol and stuff, it, like most stories, you know, on the weekends. And then I can remember never touching one from a Monday through Friday. Then you take one on a Wednesday, and then before you know it, it's like most things in life, it's a slow fade. And we turn around, and I'm doing them all day, every day. Um, that coupled with, I tore my ACL um, playing arena flag football, um, and they sent me home with a, a sheet of pain pills. You take this many this day, this many the next, and stuff. And, and Jody came home, and that whole sheet was gone in about a day. And that's when it was kind of like, mm, you got a problem. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I do. But like most because people, because he was so functional, that was the thing with him. I I was blindsided because I had no idea. Because I mean, we were young; we we're in our early twenties. Everybody drank, right? Yeah. I mean, like you, everybody socially drank at least. And so, um, I and he was so functional. He didn't miss work. He didn't miss church. Anything I asked him to do, he did. All those kinds of things. And so, people often say that functional addicts are the worst kind because nothing happens, right? That makes them they don't get to their bottom yeah. really quick. And so, that was definitely yeah. the case. And, and that's one of the things that kept me stuck because as human beings, um, you know, we compare ourselves to other people way more than we should. So I'm looking at other people and thinking, well, you've got a problem, but I don't because I'm still doing this, this, and this. But I'm only holding myself back because I'm comparing myself to other people. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's, it's you individually. So when, when they came to me and said, well, you, you know, you took this many pills or where are they at and stuff, I've always been that guy too where I, I would admit that I had a problem. You know, I'd say, yeah. you know, I, Always. He'd I, pack up and go somewhere in a heartbeat. Like, you'd be so <laughs> proud. I mean, like, he was always sorry. And, you know, but it was, it was to the point where I knew what I was doing was, quote, unquote, wrong and how I was raised or what have you, but I had no idea how to stop um, once things got started so once cornered and caught um i would buck for a little bit to start out with and and like every most other stories too the first time it's oh well, i'll quit on my own mm -hmm. then i'll go to a detox and i'll get out and be fine then i'll do the detox in the 30 days and then the iop which is intensive outpatient like i tried all of that stuff fast forward 10 years for 10 years yeah, he it, was it, in and out of programs yeah. outpatient detox yeah so it was between 12 and 15 years that that drugs had me mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol between you know half a dozen trips to detoxes and 30-day programs here there um leading up until um 2013 when she had finally had enough um and that's one of the things that, that i want people to hear man is the fact that you know coming on coming here and talking to you which i was excited about and stuff but i always say that her story is better than mine that's what he told me yesterday she stayed man you know and and without her there's no us obviously yeah and the fact that you know she loved me enough to tell me i'm done and when i say she said it and she meant it i knew she did and and 
part of me was almost like, good for you, Jody. Yeah. You know, good for you. I believe that that tough love that you give somebody yeah. is the the best tool Absolutely. to yeah. use in almost anything. Absolutely. Yeah, I tell yeah. wives that all the time when I'm counseling with them that like, you know, listen, you have a little bit of power. Yeah. In this situation, you can give them a consequence. That was the same thing with uh, mm. with my mother and my sister. Mm. Was I just quit having anything to do with them? Mm. But I would still let them know I yeah. care. I cared, but I'm not going out of my way for you. I'm not mm-hmm. giving you any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be the reason. If I have to get that call one day that you're in a ditch somewhere and not breathing. Mm-hmm. It's not only because I enabled it. Right. Right. Yeah, you, you know you've done everything yeah, you can exactly. do. And then you have to put up boundaries, you know, to protect yourself. So I, we, I, we haven't done it in a while. But um, first couple months that we were here, and it's just because we've been so busy, we haven't done it. We're going to start it again soon. Is uh, on Wednesday nights, we did this meeting here. Um, and it's not, it's not recorded or anything like that. It's called the Steel Riding Meetings. And it's for people who have dealt with suicide um, I'm a survivor of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we just have people in here talking and building a support system for each other. And one thing that uh, I, I, I am not, a lot of people think I'm not very well educated, and it's because I'm not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have read a lot of articles on mental health and, and addiction and other things, wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, the knowing that you're not alone is probably the, the biggest yes. one. But the uh, I lost my train of thought, but it was something that you just said um, with the meetings. Uh, Either tough love or somebody through offering. I mean, a, a community and meetings and stuff is one of the yeah. biggest things that we offer too when it comes to. Well, and we've got to take away the stigma. That's what I was getting yeah, through. Yeah. That's what I was getting through is um, asking for help is, I don't think we, you said something earlier and I talk about it a lot that, Men, especially when we're raised, we're not supposed to cry. We're not mm-hmm. supposed to let our emotions out. We're supposed to always hold everything together. And I just, I don't believe in none of that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. And the fact that y'all are changing the stigma around it. And there's a lot of people in this area that are trying to, with mental health addiction and stuff, to look at it a different way. To where, you know what, don't be ashamed. Yeah. You, you messed up. Yeah. You messed up. Now let's get let's get it right. Let's yeah. fix it. Let's yeah. get it together. What, what what you did to get here is nowhere near as important as what are you willing to do about it now. Absolutely. Like I'm not worried about everything from your past, and that's the stigma that it has. Is but we can all look at, especially the the last year that we had, mental health and addiction and stuff is coming now. It's going to be huge, man, because we're going to start a, a tidal wave of people of that maybe didn't have a problem yeah. or as much of a problem. They just like to drink or take a few pills, but then. Okay, you take away their community. They're just, their work, they're at home all the time. And they start to realize, you know, used to, I could wait till five or six to have me a drink. Having it at 10 or 12, 11 o'clock now, you take away the meetings that I was going to, all of that stuff. So our, one of the biggest callings that we have is to show that the face of addiction is changing than what from what most people perceive it to yeah. be. Yeah, um, it's that, not the guy under the bridge. I mean, it's the people you work right. with. It's your doctors. It's your dentist. I mean, yeah. it it's the kids in private school. I mean, you know, you just see it. It touches all socioeconomic statuses. Well, it's at, not, at some at some point in time, we all got fixed on instead of working stuff out and and doing it the natural way that there was a pill for it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the second that that mindset come around to hey, like I had ADD. Mm-hmm. Growing up, or whatever. Yeah. Let's get him riddling instead of beating his ass and making him study. Right. Like, let's yeah. start pushing pills instead of start 
instead of fixing problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's where this whole epidemic started. And then these monster pain pills. I'm lucky enough. I, the house I grew up in, I, I had to see them abused. Mm-hmm. I've never done them. Yeah. I can't even take extra strength Tylenol without getting a little sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've had surgeries yeah. for it and the hydrocodones make me feel horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how some people take them and, and function. Yeah. yeah, I used to say I wish they made me sick. Right? They made me <laughs> sick, dude. Have, I, I got my appendix yeah. cut out a couple years ago, and when I woke up from the anesthesia, mm-hmm. it literally made me so sick. I threw up so hard mm. that I bust, busted every blood vessel in my mm-hmm. eyes, and my eyes were bloodshot. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Good Lord knew what he was doing when he made me not like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a breaking point with everything? Was there ever like a moment that you two can remember that it was like, this is it. Oh, for sure. This, and, oh, yeah. and it was 2013. So, ironically, he's the same timeline as you were saying your sister yeah. eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was it. It kind of all came a, came to a head um, in early 2013. I say that, you know, we, we were juggling all the plates and trying to keep it all together. And you can only do that for so long before it all comes crashing down. And so that was it for us. Um, and so in that case, in, in, I mean, in this case, he had um, – use some pills and because the the method with Brad would be he would get clean and he'd do well for seven, eight, nine months and then he'd fall off the wagon again. Yeah. And that was just like I said for about ten years span. That's how it was. Um and I could by this point you've begun to notice the signs, right? And and the loved ones of addicts find themselves being like hyper alert, right? You're watching like or <laughs> you know, are, are they like falling asleep while they're sitting up? Are they sweating? Are they, you know, not being reliable? All those kinds of things. You learn the signs. And so that's where I was. Um super codependent, man. I was covering up and fixing up, you know, as much as I could because this was something that, oh my gosh, this was 2013. Like nobody can know about this, right? I can't nobody can know about this. So I'm fixing and covering up and you really become almost addicted to the addict when you've been in it that long you're addicted to the problem and that's really what codependency is and so that was me for sure and this day he was working for the family company in Gordon we we lived in Macon and he was not home from work yet and it was just odd because he was usually there by 5 30 I called him and I could immediately tell something was wrong his his speech was slurred he he just had that sound it wasn't quite right um so that's a 30 minute drive from Gordon to Macon and so when I called him, he wasn't too far from our house. And I said, okay, I'm just going to stay on the phone with you till you get here. And only by the Lord's grace did he make that drive, right? There's no telling how many times he'd done it in the past. But that day I could witness it was bad. And so I was standing out in our front yard watching for him. And he comes down the road in his truck and it's just, I mean, it just looks like a wild man. He's swerving. And I see a lady that he's passing her small SUV and she has to get over quickly. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he pulls in the driveway, like takes down, takes out half the bushes, right? That line or thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, then I realized the lady's coming back and I'm like, oh God. So I run down. This is just a perfect picture of, of codependency. I run down. And I'm like, you do not get out of this truck. You stay in this truck. You know, I'm about to handle this. And so the lady was like, oh my gosh, is that your husband? He just about killed me. And I immediately said, Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. He's been having seizures, which which was true. Yeah. He, it was due to the, the what he med- was abusing, yeah. mm-hmm. but he had had some. And I said, he's been having seizures, and I think that's what just happened. Calmed her down, got that situation taken care of. She left, and I went and got down him. And I, I'll never forget, I walked down the driveway, and I opened the door, and here's this grown man sitting in the driver's seat. All this is chaos has just happened. He's eating, like, 
Sour Patch Kids. Just <laughs> shoved them in his well, mouth. Hey, yeah. And kids. so I was like, okay, come inside. You know, I got him inside. Our kids at the time were four and seven. Mm-hmm. So I got them situated, got him to the bedroom, shut the door, had a friend come and pick up the kids so I could figure out then what to do. Um, so figured out, you know, what it was. And see, at this point, it wasn't even like, hydrocodone. I mean, it was like some allergy medicine that allergists had prescribed and he just taken too much of it. So it was like anything that that's when, you know, like it's out of hand, so you, right? You were at the point to where you were just taking what you could get yeah. your hands anything. on. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And I, I, through going to treatment centers and getting out and stuff, you know, as people would either drug test me for something or mentally it's like, okay, I know if I take pain pills, you know, then, you know, I'll get tested for them or whatever. So I would take something else. And, and I've been, you know, addicted and to recovery from everything, you know, out there for the most part. And it had gotten to where at that point I was being prescribed something for like a sinus infection, you know, Mm -hmm. and I would just take the whole bottle within a day. Like it didn't matter. It was anything that I say would give me a head change, like Mm -hmm. whatever I'm chasing and trying to, because that would numb me because I felt like inside looking back now through what I've learned, you know, I felt like such a failure, man, that, you know, I I couldn't, I could never beat this. So anything that's going to change how I feel. So for me, I mean, like you said, I just finally had enough. And I think I realized at that point, I'd felt like I could put up with a lot, but now I had these kids that I was in charge of. They were four and seven, and so they're growing. And so far, I've been able to cover it up, right, and hide it from them, what's going on. But I knew our oldest son, he's super intuitive. And so I just knew, you know, kids know. They're going to start picking up on something. So I thought, I have a job to protect them. And I was like, you you know, we got to figure something out. You can't stay here. I don't know what we're going to do. And thankfully, a counselor we had been seeing um, for months at this point um, recommended a place called No Longer Bound, and it was a – 10-month, now it's 12-month residential program. And so basically I said, you can go to this if you, you know, we're done, but if you have, if you want to see your kids or be in their lives at all, then you'll go and try to find I want to give you a round healing. of applause. That, <laughs> took, that took some ball. I mean, yeah. I, I'm telling you <laughs> that, yeah. what you did is what I think so many people need to hear that right here, even though still love that person Mm -hmm. you got to do what's best for them and you and sometimes it's the worst thing that possibly that you can do i didn't want to suddenly be a single mom with a four-year-old and a seven-year-old i worked a stressful job i had to run the household get them everywhere so yeah it wasn't gonna be a walk in the park for me but it's what i knew i had to do because so far up until this point he'd experienced no consequences which i think is what kept him rolling so did you ever with throughout your addiction ever have any run-ins with the law or anything like that or did you dodge it for the most time i dodged it for the most part yeah uh, and that is one of the things that that hurt me from a small community too that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. is, you know you you end up getting away with more than you should because of you know a family name or people yeah. know this or that you know so there were some consequences looking back um that i didn't suffer that i probably should have uh and people would have but i didn't um the only thing, which that's, I'm glad you never got in trouble. Mm-hmm. I know people that have, uh, like y'all do, yep. but it, it ruins their life. Yep. I mean, it, it does. So I'm, I'm very happy that you didn't. Yeah. But uh, also, I, also in the same, like to reverse it, yeah. is I don't think that people, this is going to sound crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when people are, are locked up and then they're forced into treatment because I think it's just a waste of time most of the time. Yeah. I, 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 I think, totally agree. I think that when when somebody's ready to work on themselves, yeah. 
then they're ready. But until then, I, I don't I don't like the the yeah, being forced into I, it. I, I'm I mean I agree with what you're saying. I am torn to a certain extent because running a ministry and stuff, I know that the biggest thing is for me to at least get my hands on it and get them there and seeing what God can do with them through where we're at. Now, one of the ways that I word that is what got you here is not nearly as important as what keeps you here. So the way Crossroads is is set up and stuff is like we do have some people come um, who are court mandated to a certain extent. Um, nobody that's like avoiding hard time or anything like that can come. Um, so it's through an interview process and who I bring in. But there are guys that I bring in under some of those conditions, and I know that within the matter of a month or two, this dude's either going to get with the program and do what we're doing, or he's going to go back to where he was at. What are so. some of the things that I guess, uh, I don't really don't know how to word this, that would make your program different or your approach to sobriety different than other programs? Mm. What I learned um, through through the program that I went through. Well, um, tell them what was the chain, turning point for you. What oh, yeah, made yeah. You let's, stay? Do, let's do that first before we start talking about Yeah, your like what, right. what was different? What made you stay at No Longer Bound? Because well, you could have left. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I was usually that guy who would say, I'll go get help. Um, but this one was, when Jody came to me, you know, I, I was having seizures at the time and stuff, but the seizures were directly related to what I was taking. Um, I was just being dishonest and lying and saying, I, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just having seizures. And so we go to doctors. Running up neuro up. bills over here. Yeah, running up neurologists, you know, paying yeah. them because I'm not willing to be honest, yeah. uh, ultimately. Still lying. And But she loved me enough, like we said, to tell me, um, you got to go somewhere. Um, I'm done, but you'll always be Lawson and Bella's dad. If you ever want to see them again, you'll go through this program that uh, we were being told about. And man, you know, I went, um, I went under the impression of, I was so convinced at that time, I was so full of crap and pride and uh, that I wouldn't even admit how much I loved her. Been high school sweethearts. Um, but again, as men, what do we tell ourselves coming up? Like, we're tough, we're oh, independent. Yeah. You we know, don't need anybody. Yeah, I, I'll be fine without her. There's plenty of fish in the sea. You know, all those lies and that crap that I told myself. Um, but those kids were a different story, man. And when she said, you know, if you ever want to see them again, I, I, that is what led me to the point of saying, all right, where, where do I sign up? Thank where you. Where do I go? Thank yeah. you. That, that's one of the things that pissed me off so bad about my sister and other people mm -hmm. is – the day my daughter was born changed the rest of my life. Yeah. I I was a screw-up when I was younger. I got a DUI when I was 18, uh, stole some stuff, got in trouble with the law a couple of times. Uh, but I, I say all the time that my daughter did what the state of Georgia never could, and that was make a man out of me. <laughs> and uh, I just awesome. don't, I don't see how some people, your kids aren't the defining factor for mm -hmm. you, that if you right. are screwing up, Get your shit together for your kids, mm -hmm. if nothing else. And my sister, for the longest time, I resented her mm -hmm. about it because it's like you have these, you have these youngins. Be what they need you to be. Right. And uh, so, dude, that fact that that was what turned it for you—that's a beautiful it, thing. It is, man. It, you know, and for the longest time, you know, I, I love my kids, and people would say, "Do you love your kids?" And I'd say, "Yes," because I did. But if you looked at my actions, my actions did not show that I love my children because they were seven and four. But the reality is that I was hurting so much inside, trying to numb things and trying to keep up and keep appearance and all that stuff that I didn't even know how to really love them. 
and do what they needed to. Because just like with our children, you know, I want to put a smile on their face and mm -hmm. I want them to be happy. My job as their dad was not to make them happy. It's to raise them and discipline them and teach them right from wrong and to love them no matter what. But what I was doing was trying to make them happy. So you go yeah, in the store. He was the fun guy. He was the fun parent. I'm the fun dad. You know, because I'm geeked up, or, you know, and go yeah. in the store. What candy you want? What's this and that? I don't know how to say no because I feel so bad about who I am inside. I can feel better. About, and, and the work, what I use is I was medicating on my children. So I'm making myself feel better based on their happiness. And if daddy tells them no, they're going to be mad at me. Well, I already feel like a piece of crap inside. I'm doing drugs to, you know, make up for that. I don't want my children mad at me too. So I'm doing them a huge disservice by raising them that way. So when it got to the point where the crap hit the fan and she says, you got to go, it was like, you know, I want to see them. I don't want you to take my kids. I'll do what I need to do for them. Um, so I went under the same impression. I'll do the song and dance. You know, I, I can, you know, I'm a rehab MVP, man. Y'all show me where to go and what to do. I, you know, I'll perform. But I had no idea what God had in store for me, man. And he busted me wide open. Man, this is crazy. Uh, all week this week. That is what all of our shows have been about. <laughs> really? I, I swear. Uh, it, it, it has been insane. We started off this week with a buddy of mine from Nashville named Dustin Heron who has a song that just came out. And it's uh, it's called That's Me Again, Jesus. Or It's Me Again, Jesus. <laughs> uh -huh. And so we sat for here for an hour and a half the other night and was just talking. And what led him down to write that song, where he came from, and all this other stuff. And um, I, I am uh, just a firm believer that the good Lord, you might not be in the spot that you want to be in, but you're in the spot he wants you in. Amen. And, and there's somebody this week that <laughs> is going to listen to one of these episodes. And whether it was a couple of us heathens sitting around on Monday, um, <laughs> talking about country music and God, or whether it was last night with uh, two people that are huge on TikTok. Both of them's like million plus. Okay. They, they started dating because of TikTok. Their relationship... Super strong because of the good Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and then, y'all, there's yeah. somebody this, and then we're ending tomorrow with uh, uh, my, my buddy Matthew, who has cerebral palsy and, and wow. is the most inspirational yeah, person so, that I, I yeah. mean, it's just it's been a crazy week. Oh, that's awesome. But well, Brad, we keep going. I'm sorry. I just, hey, nah, well, I was I, just going to say his tagline that I love is that when he went to, to that program, he, he got freedom from drugs and alcohol, but he found freedom from so much more. Yeah. You know, like that was just yeah. the thing he was turning to. But man, and that's what's different about our program too, is that we look at the heart issue. Yeah. Right? Because to rehabilitate, to return to a former state. Well, with an addict, you don't want to do that. No, no. And so no. we got to dig a little deeper and find out what the heart issue is. And once you get to that and you find freedom from that, man, you don't want to use anymore. Oh, no. I am a firm believer in that. I think that things... uh are broken or they break because they're supposed to be mm -hmm. they're broken they don't work mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that always say hey i want to tear everything down and i want to build from the foundation i i'm not one of those people i want to tear everything down including the foundation mm -hmm. and i want to start from the lowest level possible yeah, yeah. and it's just where like if you're teaching to come from the heart and be comfortable with yourself and love yourself that is that's awesome. Yep. And that, yeah. that's what we do ultimately. Well, I mean, let me just tell them we have a joke at our house that uh, me and the kids that in 2013, he went to feeling school. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> he got real in touch with it all. He was suddenly crying at the drop of a hat. And I mean, he, he still does that and we love it. But it's so funny because even the kids are like when something's going on and they'll come to me and tell me and they're like, mom, 
can we not tell dad about this? Because he knows, you know, we're going to have to like. I'm a (laughs) crybaby. We're going to have to like talk it all out. I am a cry baby. (laughs) I've always, I've always been tenderhearted, but it seems like the older I get, I'm 33, the older I get, the more that just the little things now. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's because I'm starting to see what, instead of what everybody else defines as beauty in this world, I'm starting to define my own beauty in this mm-hmm. world. And like, yeah. even just being around little girls playing softball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's little stuff that'll just yeah. catch you sometimes. Yes. And, and then yeah. I've just got tear. Yeah, yeah, it will. And kids will do that to us too. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I grew up as the, the tenderhearted, uh, kindhearted kid. Um, but I was scared to death that somebody was going to pick on me for it. They're going to make fun of me. Um, they're going to realize just how sensitive I am. So I tried to act tough. And you can only keep that act up for so long. And so ultimately, I needed drugs and alcohol to help me act the way that I felt like I needed to act in order to gain people's acceptance or to keep them from really knowing me. Because again, Inside, I don't feel good enough because I can never measure up to the performance level of what God expects and every all the crap that I had inside of me. So what I teach today is I am I'm free. I am freed up. F R E E D U P. I'm freed up. And we have Means, t-shirts. We'll send you one. Yeah, please. Hashtag freed up. I'll, I'll give y'all something. Too. <laughs> I, I am free to be who I was created to be. You know, like I spent so long. For example, you know, if a song comes on and you want to dance. But you won't because you're looking beside you and you're worried about what somebody else is going to think. We're just adult versions of that. Like I may like this and, and, you know, like what kind of music do you listen to? I'd say, well, I listen to everything. The problem with that is I lost me. I didn't know what I liked because I liked whoever I was around, what they liked. Mm -hmm. And today I'm free, man. I'm free to be who who I was created to be. I'm fine just the way God created me. And there are so many people who are either listening to this or out there wondering and you never feel comfortable in your own skin. You could be in a crowd and feel completely alone. Yep. And what what I want people to know is you're not. You're not. You were created just the way you are for a purpose. Now you may not have found that purpose yet, but I promise you it's there and I promise you that through everything I've been through, I believe that God sees a bigger picture that take when my dad died or when other things happened to me and I could look just at that instance and not figure out how this is going to look one day. How does it make sense? But today I trust that one day it will. He sees a bigger picture and he can use that for his glory, man, to make us who he, you know, who we are because I would not be here today. I wouldn't have a relationship with my heavenly father that I have, if I hadn't lost my earthly father, yep. I do believe that, well, that because I was, you know, and if she hadn't loved me the way she did, I wouldn't be here period sitting here having this conversation and telling people that no matter how ugly it is right now, it can be beautiful one day. See, I'm one of those that I, what you just say, you say it way better than I do. <laughs> but I, I say the same thing. It's, uh, even when times are tough and things are just, you know, just horrible falling down around you and everything. Do it with a smile on your face. Cause if you if you sulk, if you get down, if you get if you let your depression eat you alive or addiction, you know, it's just gonna get worse. But if you know something's gonna be bad and you remain positive about it, see I think everybody is is pushed. 
by the good Lord, if you don't believe in God, then you believe in the universe or whatever. But I believe that everybody is pushed to their breaking point. Mm -hmm. And the people that receive blessings are the ones that got to their breaking point and didn't give in. Mm -hmm. That you had to struggle, that you had to go through that hell to receive your blessing. And the people like y'all, I mean, that sucks at everything you've been through. But if you would have just KO'd at any point in time and say, I'm done, I'm just going to be worthless the rest of my life, you wouldn't be in the position you're in now. You had to go through your struggle to be where you're at now. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, yeah, I mean, our marriage wouldn't be what it is today without all that struggle. Um, Crossroads wouldn't even exist, you know, without all that struggle. And so that's what's, what I always think is so cool is that I say, you know, when I dropped him off that day, uh, February, February 21st, 2013, I was done. Like I was driving back to Macon and I was going to find a divorce attorney. Like that was it. And a wise friend said to me, like, listen, don't make any major decision right now. Like, you don't have to do anything right now. Like, the chaos has been removed. He's safe. You know, just focus on you and the kids. So, thankfully, I took that advice. I sought wise counsel. I had a great counselor. Do not undermine <laughs> the <laughs> the worth of a good counselor or therapist. <laughs> um, so, that was huge. You know, I met with my pastor. I had lots of mentors and that sort of thing. And I just spent a lot of time on my knees praying. And God answered in such a big way. Like, I just, in the beginning, so it was zero contact period when he dropped him, when I dropped him off. They told me it would be 60 to 90 days. Well, 90 days came and went, I hadn't heard anything. And this program, you know, tells you nothing, like, that's part of the program. It's made to work on the family members, just like it's working on the man. And so they said, we'll call you when he can have visits. Well, finally, I guess by March, end of March, beginning of April, I had reached the point where I at least wanted to go visit. In the beginning, I didn't have any intention of even going to visit. But I'd kind of reached the point where I wanted to visit. And so at that moment, I began praying and had all my prayer warriors praying with me that God would just reveal to me, he would give me wisdom, that he would give me discernment, and that I would know from the very first time I laid eyes on Brad, that God was doing a work and calling me to stay. And so we're all praying that prayer. Finally, early June, the call comes. It had been 107 days since I'd seen him. Um, And again, God in the details, I think each of us needed every one of those 107 days. Um, And when, when I went to that visit, I'll never forget that day. It's so clear in my mind, like, you know, driving up, I planning my outfit, what I was going to wear, like his anticipation, you know, <laughs> of, of seeing this person that he hadn't seen in such a long time. And I drive up, not really knowing where to go, get out of the car. I see all these men kind of standing around. And then Brad starts walking towards me, and there are tears streaming out of his face. And God answered that prayer so big in that moment because I literally knew that first moment I laid eyes on him, that God was doing work. He was doing something. He was doing something. And God told me that he was calling me to stay. And not even just for our own little family of four, but there was something bigger. And I had no idea what that was at the time, but I knew it was going to take both of us, and God was calling me to stay. And so that day was the sweetest, one of the sweetest days of my life, like just that visit, because his eyes were clear and his conversation was clear. And, you know, we just enjoyed one another like we had before the addiction. And so, um, yeah, so I knew in that moment. And then the, God's time and even in all that, it, that was summertime. So guess what? The kids, we got to visit him all summer. And, you know, it's true that kids are super resilient because they thought it was great. You know, I live at home with mom during the week. We go see dad on the weekends. We got to stay at a hotel. <laughs> you know, like it was all great. And um, yeah, and then God just continued in, to work in that. And so not only did he regenerate Brad, but he completely restored our marriage 
in our family. And so he, I always say mm-hmm. he worked on me just as hard as Do y'all think you're stronger now than you were when you said I do? Oh no my gosh. Yes, we yeah. were so we were yeah. babies when we said <laughs> no, I do. No like yeah. dreaming about the picket fence and the dogs yeah. and the kids and I mean, I had no idea. I look back now and I think, God, I was looking down at me like, girl, you you don't know what you're getting into. But what I'll tell you what I learned through that was that God wants us to pray like big, bold prayers. I always say that I was praying these little timid prayers when he was in rehab, like, God, just get him sober, just get him sober. And God, now I know, was probably looking down on me going, is that all you want? (laughs) because I have so much more. Like, I'm going to make him this incredible man, and he's going to lead so many people. Like, I I can't, I really can't describe the impact he has on people today. I don't know. I'm I'm telling you. um, (laughs) I'm I'm just, it is very seldom that I don't know what to say, (laughs) uh, that I'm at a loss of words. But uh, y'all are just, in so many ways, the inspiration. Um, And the marriage thing I'm going to touch on that. The reason I asked that question mm-hmm. is there's so many people that give up nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many people that when those rough seas come along, that they, they, they jump ship yep. real quick. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason why you don't like, mm-hmm. I understand now more than ever. And I've never been married. Like I am a, it seems like it, I'm a broke record when I say this, but I'm a helpless romantic. I want what my grandparents had. Mm-hmm. I want even when times get bad, that's your person. You buckle up and you ride that damn road with them. Right. Um, and there's so many people now that if it, it just gets sideways, they're done. And the fact that your marriage is stronger now after addiction and after that hard road that you went on than before when there was no problem, that is a oh, testament man. to why you stay together man, and why man. you keep pushing and why the older couples, um, why they didn't believe in divorce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were willing to go through it. Yeah, know, lot, and, and I know a lot of people get put down where you get older folks in the church or whatever, and they're like, well, "You're not ever supposed to get divorced or whatever." I don't think that that's what they meant. No, I think they meant you're supposed to you're supposed to go through the trials together. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. I mean, because there are some cases. I mean, abuse, things like that. Oh yeah, you, dip out. You're yeah. gonna yeah, dip get, out on abuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna yeah. get divorced, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you know through the hard stuff, man. That's where the growth happens. Yeah. That's when that's and when it, Jesus is refining us and pruning us and you know making us who he wants us to be because without that i mean i honestly sometimes feel sorry for people that kind of have this cakewalk of a life because they never get to that desperation we are forged by fire (laughs) yeah and and those are like when i listen to you know your podcast and stuff and you hear the warrior mentality like that that is what i have and how we connect in that way because you know i love like i mean like most you know got navy seals and fighting and you know and I don't, I don't grab those, you know, weapons and put on that each day. But I'm grabbing spiritual weapons and tools, and I'm a warrior for Christ. That's how I look at it in my own eyes, because I, you know, I'm fighting for Him. And I'll say, you know, for Jody to say like that, I'm a great man, or however you worded and stuff. Like I don't, I don't feel that way. He I always don't says think... I'm nothing special, and I have <laughs> and to disagree. Not, I have to disagree. No, no him. He says he's nothing special. And I always say I have to disagree with you. I'm not. I'm just a humble dude that went through some crap that was broken, and I turned to the Lord to be. I can't do it because if I could, I never would have gotten to the point without his strength. Yeah. I I tell you a crazy story. The day I was fired in country radio was my birthday, September the 10th. 
Uh, the last thing I said on radio was God does not. It's it's insane that it's the last thing I said, but it was God's plan. <laughs> yeah. Let let me know that hey, we fixing to go through some hell, but I got you, son. <laughs> I, I, I I use those kind of situations as a miraculous firing. Yeah, and that's what and that's what it, I had this was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I get fired, but one of the last things I said is what I told y'all a while ago. Yeah. You're not where you want to be. Where what God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the tattoo chair, and. I have wanted this tattoo that it's working on right now forever. It's God's armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got chinks in it. It's got cracks in it, all this stuff. I am literally getting the first part of this tattoo when they call me to tell me I'm fired. Mm. Literally getting <laughs> the first part of God's armor tattooed That's on crazy. me when they call me to tell me I'm fired from my dream job. Yeah. I almost cried, not because I got fired, because I realized right then that I was not where he wanted me to be. Yeah. And that he had something planned so much better for me that I'm sitting there getting tattooed his armor to protect why? me. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Why did He's why would you need that armor? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you know like yeah, you don't exactly. you wear armor when you're coming under attack. Yeah. Like, you know so yeah. Lord this is why I've got it and he put you in a situation yeah. as to this is why you that, need it. That right there mm-hmm. yeah. worked on my faith, which I already, I, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not an yeah. example setter, as I say. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I am a Christian. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I believe folks like, you're way better at this than me, but I end up having conversations with God, about God all the time. Mm-hmm. But we were supposed to go through those so we can witness and talk to people that wouldn't come up to just a preacher because some yeah. folks are going to be ashamed. Right. Some folks are going to be the same and say, hey, I used to use this mm-hmm. or I used to do that. But folks like us, and this is one of the things I take the most pride in the world in, is they're not intimidated by us. Mm-hmm. They see us as them. They're looking in a mirror. And maybe that's why That's why I can always say well, whatever pain I've been through that I knew it was. I had a purpose behind it yep. was because I can have that relationship with people and then explain to them my relationship with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, that, and that's for us. That's how I am. Like, there's nobody that I can look at. One of the things that I don't do is go into a lot of detail about how much I used or what I used or how bad things got. But I can tell you, her sitting there today, brother, it was ugly. Yeah. It was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been through so much more. And for me to sit here today, and one of Crossroads is also different in ways that, you know, I believe that we all have scars which yep. I call emotional scars and pain, things that we've done to others, things that have been done to us. Um, what I do is take scars of guys and start poking on them. Which one's infected? Okay, this person died, or you did this, or you cheated on her and lost this. Like, so when I hit it and they draw back, it's like, okay, that's the one we need to dig mm-hmm. into. That's what's hurting you. There's a reason you're doing what you're doing. See, I thought for the longest time, too, it's like, you know, it's just me. I, you know, like the old, I'm just, you know, carrying on a family tradition, right? Like, no, that was crap. I was using for a reason. Yeah. When I start looking today, what was the root cause of the issue? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And I would go to rehabs in the past, and the verbiage that we use, and one of the things that I say is, well, you know, if I take an apple tree, and it's producing fruit, right? It's producing apples. Well, I take that tree and we cut off all the branches. And this is one thing that No Longer Bound taught me and the guys who are up there. Well, if I cut off all the branches, um, if the tree doesn't die, eventually what's going to happen? The branches are going to grow back. What's it going to produce? Apples. If I just bring a guy in and keep him so- sober for a certain amount of time and we do it, make a few changes, but I don't get to the root cause of the issue, 
replant it so that the root grows down and we have different fruit. Otherwise, he's going to bear the same fruit that he's always bore. You know, I would hear in church, well, you can only reap what you sow. You can only... I didn't know how to sow anything worth reaping. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, well, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. Well, I was, you know, I yeah. mean, I didn't know how to plant anything. And today I learned how do I plant something that's worth reaping? And one of the biggest things that I can say to teach people is, um, I've been hearing a lot lately is just to be consistent. Yes. The consistency will add up. You know, we go so up and down, you know, like I'll do it for a little while and then I'll quit. And, and also like the whole biblical scholar and all of that, like we back away from it because I can never understand it. And I would tell people, it ain't about how much you do. It's just being consistent and doing something each day, man. And that consistency will compound. And before you know it, you look back and, you know, you've been pretty consistent for a while. And that, and that's what I do, man. It's, it's one day at a time and, and looking back and just trying to let the Lord use me and use my story because I'm broken to the point where he put it all back together beautifully um, and still works on me. Um, I don't feel like anything special. And the reason is... Because I know I'm not doing anything that anybody else can't do. Man. Oh, you, you're doing something that a lot of people can't <laughs> well, do. Well, to the oh, point. No, 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 no. Right, thank I'm you. Gonna, I'm about to throw it. I don't pick up the closest that, damn man. thing to me and throw it at your head. Thank uh, you. I, I, I know, right? right? I just think that, man, it, for me, it's just it's allowing him to be enough in my life and use me. Hey, I want to tell that story. I think that, that any guy can walk this out. Before you it. tell that, I want to tell you something. It is uh it is harder to be a warrior for God than it is to be a preacher. Mm. Yeah, I've never thought about that. It is harder for us mm. to live and go through the things that we have been through and still talk about our faith because we look like two people that shouldn't have faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We look like two people that when we open our mouths that the love of God shouldn't come out of it. Yeah. I promise you the people <laughs> see me on social media all the time and the last thing they want to hear from me is that. But it's easy for somebody that's went down a very clean-cut road in their life to talk yeah. about how God's been good to them because they never had to struggle. Yeah, and it is harder for you to do what you do, and you. I hope you take. Thank you. you I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I well, think that God's just put blinders on me. Like I don't see it. You he know, doesn't I, see it, but it, I, it, I it's it. miraculous what He does day in and day out, and how just all the people He's been able to affect. Not only leading our little family of yeah. four well. But leading the ministry and all the men that have come through and the families, I mean, his phone rings nonstop. Well, now mine does because he made my number on the website. But everybody's, <laughs> you know, people are calling all the time. But I think one of the things we learned along the way was in a sermon um, that we heard, and it was Jensen Franklin. I love a Pentecostal preacher because, you know, they're just <laughs> spirit-led, and they're going to say what comes up. And he, and he said, whatever you're going through, you were built for this storm. Like God knew. He doesn't you know, put more on your plate. No, than like, and he yeah. knew, like he he knew you were going to face this, and so he has equipped you, and he's going to be there, you know, he besides does. you to walk through and it. Can I? Let me explain. Well, I want to tell that story. But go ahead about it being a tell it. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited. <laughs> the way y'all looking at each other, right I will now? say the comment you made. He he doesn't put more on your plate than you can handle. I disagree with that to a certain extent because. I think for me, he he put more on my plate than I could handle because I wouldn't have turned to other people or, or turned to him, to him, or to him to say, "Hey, boy, I can I get can you agree. through." I can agree. I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, I what, I, the the, the I bottom line is, we can get through anything, but you don't have to go through it by yourself. Yeah, and a lot of times, we get caught up in that. Well, he won't put more on me than I can handle. That means I can do anything. No, I can screw it up. Is what I yeah. can do. So anything anyone's going through. 
turn to him and people in your life who are standing there. That's one of the biggest things too. We've got people trying to help us, but we just, we don't, we think, oh, I can get through this. Most folks are just too ashamed or too embarrassed to ask for help. And I, I deal with this a lot when it comes to talking to people about mental health. Yeah. First time I put my story out there about trying to commit suicide in 2010, I put it on social media. Mm-hmm. I was scared to death of it uh, for so long about opening up, but I knew it was something I had to get off my back because when you're dealing with uh, depression like I deal with, you walk into a room and you think everybody's talking about you mm-hmm. and literally no one gives a shit about you. Yep. Like no one is concerned with you whatsoever, mm-hmm. but your brain is But it's tricks. real in your mind. Yeah, it's yep. playing tricks yep. on you. So... I decided when I wanted to start, I, I never ever took medication for it. I wanted to fix it through learning how to control it instead of medicating. Mm-hmm. And I put on social media my story because I knew I had to because I wanted the monkey off my back. So many people reached out to me mm-hmm. and made me feel like I was never alone in the first place. So if anybody's listening that's dealing with an addiction problem or mental health issue or anything like that, if you are open and you're honest about it, there will be no criticism. There will be nothing but support. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody does criticize you, more than likely they're going through the same problem. They got bigger problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's true. Yep. Um, okay, so the story, I feel like we've hyped it up and it's not going to be as good now. It will <laughs> be. I guarantee it will but, be. Um, no, the cool thing is that God taught both of us the same lesson, even though we were on very different sides of the storm. You have Brad, who was kind of, you know, plucked out of his home and sent away to this program. And he didn't know what was going to happen, if I was going to go, if I was going to stay or or anything. He, he didn't know what was going on. And God clearly said to him, he wrote this in his journal. Um, and this is how we learned that he was teaching us the same thing is by comparing our journals when he came home. And so in his journal... Um, he wrote where God was clearly teaching him, like, well, what if she leaves? What if she leaves and takes the kids and you don't see them again? Then what? What are you going to do then? Are you going to turn back to drugs and keep using and living that life? Or are you going to surrender and let me be enough in your life? And so for me... Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. This is what happened when people messaged me during the <laughs> And so for me, um, I was on the other side of that coin. I was at home. My husband was missing all of a sudden. Um, I'm trying to come up with a story for everybody. I'm raising the kids, doing all the things. And God looked down at me and said, what about you? What are you going to do? Are you going to get mad and resentful and angry? Or are you going to surrender and trust me and let me be enough? And thankfully, in his strength, we were both able to let him be enough. And so that's the big lesson that he taught both of us. It's written in his journal from 2013. It's written in my journal from 2013. And that's just so cool to me that God is in the details like that to teach us the same thing. What God was teaching me is, you know, I, I had struggled my whole life feeling like I had a void inside of me and a hole that was empty. And I'm trying to fill it with anything this world has to offer, man. Money drugs, sex, you name it, we're going to at least look happy on the outside, absolutely miserable on the inside. Yep. You could have blessed me with so much and said, hey, you just won the lottery. Here's you know, however many millions of dollars. But if you didn't have drugs to go along with it, I, I, I wouldn't be happy. I didn't care. So how do I think I can be happy in any other situation? So I, I get there and it's like, okay, Brad, what if she does leave? What if she takes those kids? And, and you came here to have a rela- keep your relationship with them, but what if you don't? Are you going to stay? Are you going to pack your bags up and leave? If you get a phone call and, and she's done listening to everybody else and said he'll never change and she's done, and matter of fact, the kids are gone too. And I just knew inside, man, I was tired. 
I, I was tired of doing what I was doing. And I said, you know what? If God can be enough in my life, which I doubted, because at the time I was my own God and thought I was even, you know, nobody could take away the anger and everything I had inside of me. But I said, if this one doesn't work, meaning this program, it's not going to be because I didn't give it my best effort. I'm going to give it everything I got. Like if my kids were 40 years old and they looked back at me and said, Daddy, remember that summer you were gone? Like, we are so glad, you know, you did this and Daddy, you focus on you. That's kind of mentally the kind of stuff I had to tell myself yeah. is what would I do for them down the road versus right now? Because every bit of me was saying, I want to leave this program and go take care of them. I love them. They need me to protect them. The bottom line was I had the opportunity and I wasn't doing it. So I might as well stay where I'm at and allow God to get to where he can be enough in my life. Because guess what? People are going to die. Mm -hmm. yeah. People are going to hurt your feelings. Like things are going to happen. And I've heard it said, you know, the only reward for overcoming a challenge is the next challenge. Yeah. Like you don't get, like, okay, I got past this one. Now what? You know, like it's always what's coming next. And she hit on Jensen Franklin and saying you were built for this. And the other thing that God put on my heart and I use is, you know, I have a saying where I'm like, some ships were built for smooth sailing and we ain't one of them. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> like you talk about a warrior and guy, like, you yeah. know, you may see, uh, you know, a big battleship or something out there that the, the storm's calm right now, but we're not a catamaran cruise, right? Like we're, yeah. we're not made for There's smooth sailing. Orders, yeah. We were built for storms and when you, but we can go through them. And that's yeah. the biggest thing too. You know, when it comes to depression and the things that we've hit on, you know, that, that was me inside but I was trying to kill myself through drugs and using. Like I never, I had a, a death wish, but it's like, oh, I can use so much. And if I die, I die. And I'm not going to, you know, well, but I'm not going to do it. Well, a lot of people don't understand the difference when you, what you're going through yeah. or what you was going through and what I was going through. It's not that you want to die as you're tired of living. Yes. yes. There you go. Is, Great way of putting it. Is yep. like, you're just so fed up and it seems like nothing's ever going to mm -hmm. change. You don't want to leave your friends and family, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're just like, this sucks. I don't know if I can do it. And that, that's where I got to. Yeah. And, I, and we're so convinced. Like you said, one of the biggest things is nobody wants to hear what I have to say, or I'm not going to say it because of the stigma or this and that. But just like we talked about, we hit on earlier being kind hearted guys or sensitive, like I might cry or something yeah. and I'm not going to share my story or speak up or cry because I'm worried of what other people think. But if, if you ever do, you start to realize you had it backwards. Yeah. I literally, <laughs> literally, me and my, the musician buddy that's at my house right now sleeping. We went to on a road trip about a month ago. We went to New Orleans, Houston, Fort Worth, and we ended up in Nashville. He, we both were struggling with some stuff when we left. We stopped on the way to New Orleans when I picked him up from the airport at Hank Williams Sr.'s grave. It was something we both always wanted to go to or whatever. Mm -hmm. We make it all the way to Nashville. Been to all these places, seven days of drinking and fun <laughs> and just having a blast, right? Yeah. We get absolutely, and I know this is bad to say with y'all sitting here, mm -hmm. we overindulged as much as possible in Jim Bean that last night. Yeah. But we got in our fields that last night, and it was just me and him, and we was watching the sun come up in Nashville. And we had both like came right back around to what we wanted out of life. There were some heartbreaks that had happened to both of us, and we were trying to realign ourselves. It's one reason why we went on the trip. Mm -hmm. We started to go to bed, and we looked at a poster that had been there for two days that we had not seen. It was a Hank Williams Sr. poster. 
in our Airbnb the last night. And simultaneously, we both about, well, we did break down crying. <laughs> but we knew what we were seeing because we had just got done talking about, and I don't, I know some people get on my butt about this. Uh, I, sometimes I get drunk and talk about God. Uh -huh. Or I, what's worse is I get drunk and talk to God and <laughs> thinks he talks back sometimes <laughs> through music. Yeah. But, uh, but no, we're, we we see it like mm -hmm. you. I got to see it, and it was affirmation that uh, you got to get back to having people like you on the show. Like mm -hmm. you're having a good time and you're having fun, but look, this is a little reminder. You know, some of that other stuff might sell, and you might make some money off of it. But remember, you've always said morals over money, mm -hmm. and so this whole week, this is. My post on Monday was I'm getting back to full schedule this week yeah. and all this stuff. And every show has led right back to a conversation like this. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just pumped. I was pissed before y'all got here. <laughs> I, I was super mad. That's, I was over there telling people off on TikTok. Yeah. Um, there's a situation where one of my friends is in an abusive relationship. Mm. And I've been stood up for for a couple times to the point where I put my hands on all dude because I will not stand no, a man yeah. putting his hands on a woman. No, sir. Um, and uh, just been kind of pissy about it, yeah. the way it's been going. And like, y'all coming in here reset me. <laughs> if you would have looked at my TikTok live an hour and 10 minutes ago, I was big mad. Yeah. yeah. And hey, that, but that was... Uh, that that but that was a reminder to me. Y'all yeah. come in here, y'all reset me yeah. because I'm reminded why I'm doing this. Man, yeah. That's our well, and and Brad, like Brad saying, his mindset when he was in the program was like, you know, all right, I'm gonna dig in this time. I, it's yeah. not if I if it fails, it's not gonna be because of me. I had the same mindset. Like my marriage is not gonna fail because of something I didn't do. You know, I'm gonna check all the boxes, do everything I can do. Ultimately, have to surrender him to Jesus and let Jesus change his heart. But yeah. that was a big deal for control freak like me to like lay yeah. it all down and, and, uh, but still do my part. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Al-Anon. I'm going to do all these things. Um, because if it fails, it's not going to be on me. Yeah. So. And I think also one of the things that is looking in here and saying, okay, like the kind of week you've had and, and whatever, and me talking about not being a preacher and doing the things that I do, um, and being a warrior for Christ and everything, man, is I feel like we get it wrong so many times, like I hit on earlier, you know, um, is, you know, looking at like people drinking and stuff like that, like I, we're not judging anyone, yeah. period. Like they, I don't right. think any differently of people that do. Now, obviously if there's consequences to your life, Oh, that you're yeah. suffering based on the choices you're making. Right. I'm like, hey, how's that working out for you? Because for me, it didn't. Yeah. But most of the people, like I've heard it said, you know, like, well, what does God think about this alcohol or this and that? Like, I've learned, man, I don't think he's concerned about that. Mm -mm. I think he's concerned with you. Thank in a you. relationship in with you. Yeah. Not, Thank you. Period. And, and so for me, it's, uh, it's complete abstinence away from all of that stuff because I know how that affects my life and the choices that yeah, I make and my relationship with him. Now, I draw closer to him other things clear up. Yeah. He is not concerned about those. See, that, but everybody else is. Yeah, That right? is my whole thing right now. And I told y'all before we started this, I don't believe in organized religion anymore. Mm -hmm. It has made me so mad the way it has treated certain people. And I, I go back to a couple of different things in the Bible. And I believe everybody interprets different passages. You get to see it how you want to see it or whatever. Yeah. But I always go back to this. And it's love thy neighbor that Jesus died for every one of us. He didn't die for some of us. He died for every one mm -hmm. of us. It's not my job to bring you to the Lord. It's my job to tell you how he's worked in my right. life. Now, if you want to go to the Lord, you can go to the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you don't. 
but I'm not going to treat you any different right. if you don't have that same road that I'm right. on. And there are so many churches and there are so many people that say that they're Christians mm-hmm. that the second they would have looked at you 10 years ago or the way they might look at me now, they're going to turn their back on us and they're going to say, I'm going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever I do to help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my problem. And that's why I love people like you and what you're doing and what y'all are doing is because you're not just saying it. Mm-hmm. You're doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And that is it's so beautiful. You've brought it full circle. You've took what a lot of people can't do. They want to just be mad as hell at God, and they want to say, hey, you put me through this hell. I'm done with you. I'm just going to live the rest of my life or whatever. But you made the conscious decision, or God knocked you down to where you didn't have another choice, is the mm-hmm. way I like to put yeah. it. I, I'm yeah. hard-headed. I have to learn <laughs> lessons the hard way. You took something that would have destroyed most people, and you realized that it was for a purpose. It was for a reason. And you're like, all right. You know, you took me through this first journey. Let's mm-hmm. go to the next. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can't do that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Surrender. I mean, it's yeah, true yeah, surrender yeah. to him. A lot of people can't do that. I think they can. <laughs> they should. There's a difference. Yeah. Right. They yeah. should, but they're yeah. too hard-headed right. and they're too scared. We're not, yeah. willing, we're not willing to surrender, man. You know, that's one of the biggest things, too, is to admit that I can't do it by myself. Yeah. I can't get to the point to where, like, for me, it's also just looking back and saying and just being real enough to be like, well, how's that working out for me? Yeah. You know, like, I don't have to carry this anger that I'm keeping inside of me. But if I do ever want to actually be there for those kids or have any kind of relationship with a wife or do the things that I'm doing, then I might want to put it down because it ain't been working out too good for me up until this point. See, I Um, believe wholeheartedly when I say this, and y'all probably going to throw something at me when I say (laughs) it, I believe that people like y'all need the platform that like Joel Austin has and he needs the platform that you have. It needs to be reversed. (laughs) There would be Uh, so many more people that I'm telling you, there will be so many more people that maybe at the end of the day they don't become a Christian, but y'all are setting the right example of what a Christian is to where I can sit here and talk about drinking. Yeah. And I don't feel judged and y'all te- teach no. sobriety. Yeah. That is yeah. that is what you're supposed to be like. Well, And like I said in, in starting out, like I think that if Jesus were here today, he would tell a lot of people you're getting it wrong. Yeah. Because that's, the, that's what he came under fire for too, mm-hmm. was sitting around the table with people that the Pharisees and the higher-ups were like, Hold on now, what are you doing? And he said, I'm not worried about what's on the outside of the cup. Yep. It's the inside that matters. And and the world tells us to judge it by the outside. And as long as everything looks good, then it is good. That's crap. That's like, super, for, it, it, man, super crap. For me, it was because like I thought I was, I, I convinced myself that I'm okay because everything looked, looked fine. And man, it, there's so many people walking around who are absolutely miserable, but it looks okay on the outside. So they don't get the help that they need. And and the other thing that I want people to hear is like in Jody's statement and what she said about like we led into loving me enough to tell me I've got to go somewhere. I'm done. You got to choose. That's what she made me do is choose. You see what I'm saying? You yeah. can't have your cake and eat it too. Nope. And oftentimes men have to be forced into a position. I say men because we deal hard-headed. Yeah, we're hard-headed. You got to choose. Now, the bottom line is sometimes they make the wrong choice and they go down that road, but you hold the line. You do not compromise and say, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this. But then we kind of move that line back some. Choose that line, take a stance, and make them pick 
one way or the other. Until well, you do, you're not. We're going to well, take you. You figured out what your journey is. Though. Yeah. You you figured out your purpose. So what you're saying, like hold the line and everything. You know where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like I said, a lot of people give me hell because they'll get on to me about talking trash one day, then having these the next day. But guess what? There are people that sit there and they listen to me talk trash and they're entertained. And then they'll listen to this show the next day. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they find themselves talking to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's how God's using you. Yeah, that's how he's using me. And if I didn't believe that, I I wouldn't do this. Yeah. And and I'll sit here and say, like, there are probably people, when you say you come under fire, hear stuff and everything, you know, like back in December when we first talked. Yeah. You know, I'd listen to podcasts or hear stuff and you hear some GDs and F bombs dropping. Yeah, I gotta watch that. the G. I don't mean to, but I always but say it I'm just quick. saying, like if, if <laughs> I if I take a stance of like, yeah. oh well, you know, I, I I can't be on that kind of yeah. podcast or I can't talk you know, but it's like, no, Brad, what you're not any better than anyone else. Go sit down, let's talk and have an open, honest yeah. discussion and you know, that's what it's about for that's me. Exactly. That's exactly what it should be about for everybody. Otherwise, if if not, then like you you know, you talk about some of the other preachers and stuff, it's like we view God as an ATM machine. Yep. Like I, I can act a certain way and be good enough and then you give me this. Or if I'm good, I'll get this. And we're not promised anything. Exactly. But the deal is you can be okay no matter what happens to you. And, and whatever you're going through, you can have peace in this storm because you turn to him, not you. Well, in our stories, what God has done for each of us, yeah. like that's the most powerful oh, thing. Absolutely. You're going to win more people to Christ by well, sharing that because nobody can take that away or argue with your experience. Well, it, it, it goes back down to the road you travel to me mm-hmm. is the people that are listening to me are probably some degenerates like me. <laughs> There's some heathens like me. Yeah. I mean, they are. I, I know I know who's listening to this show right now and I love each and every one of y'all. Yeah. But if me they, too. but my thing is, is I don't want, I don't want, and this is it's going to sound crazy. I don't want people that consider themselves saints or perfect. I don't want them listening to me. Mm-mm. I don't like those people most of the time anyway. I know it's ugly. I love well, them because I'm supposed to love them. Right. But the people that are listening to me are supposed to be listening to me for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to entertain, but to bring it back to stuff like this. And if you were not the way you were, then you wouldn't help people the way you do. And that's that's what it just boils down to for me. You have to be true to yourself. You cannot go wrong in this life if you are true to yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. You can't. Like and that. I mean, that's that's what we stand on, man. And what I look at is treating everybody the same way. Nobody's any better than anyone else. Um, and we just try to be real, yeah. you know, through what we've been through. And for our relationship, you know, is, is everything perfect and stuff? No, it never is. You know, but... At the end of the day, we communicate with one another. We know that we love each other. We, we come together and try to make the best decisions for our ministry and our children and everything else um, and are open and honest about what we've been through. And that's the heart that I have is just to come alongside men or families who think they'll never change or there is no hope, and I'm here to tell you, yeah, there is too. I want to end this show today a completely different way than I've ever done it, but I feel like it's on my heart for you to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you, like I said, never done this before. I hope you feel comfortable. (laughs) I'd like for you to to say a prayer as we end this today, and hopefully somebody that's listening will uh, will need it. All right. You go right ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God, and just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Um, I just want to...
completely give you all the credit, all the honor and glory, Lord, um, for all you have done in my own life, Lord. And I just want to pray specifically for anybody who is listening to this, God, for anyone who heard something, um, Lord, that maybe touched them. May they understand that it's not about um, Brad or Jody or Crossroads or anything else, Lord, that it is about you, God. And may you work on our hearts, God. May you touch them and show them that no matter what they're going through, God, they can get through it. That we were created for this, Lord. We were made just the way you want us to be. God, we are beautifully and wonderfully made. And we compare ourselves to everyone else and think that other people are better or they look better or their actions are better and all of that stuff, Lord. And it just makes us miserable. And I just pray that everyone will just surrender today to you, God, and have the peace that you give us that passes all understanding, Lord. And, and any man who's listening to this who may be struggling with getting help or letting his family down or feeling like a failure, I just pray that you help him to realize that the best thing he can do for his family and for himself is to get help or to make decisions based on what we want the outcome to be long term not right now god and i just thank you for the opportunity lord i pray that i pray that you bless this podcast lord i pray that you help people flood to it to listen to it lord um not just mine but josh's in general lord that you just help it grow god um to reach other people to show love, God, love for one another, love just for humanity, and that my job isn't to change anyone else's mind and that we can disagree and still get along, God, um, because we're not looking at each other's actions because you're not nearly as concerned with what most of us think we're doing that's wrong or bad and stuff, God. You just love us and want a relationship with us. So I pray that we're all willing to do that today. God, we love you and praise you and thank you for the opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. If that don't make you cry and that don't touch your heart, folks, uh, don't listen to the show again. Tell them where Crossroads Ministry is and then we're getting out of here. So Crossroads is located in Macon. We currently have two houses. It's Crossroads. You can follow us on um, Instagram and Facebook, Crossroads Recovery Ministries, Inc. Um, and we have two houses located in Macon, Georgia. Our, um, our website is crossroadsrecovery.org and all the info is there. Um, admissions, the program, phone numbers, websites, um, the whole thing. So thank y'all for thank you, coming. Man. And if y'all, uh, if you're needing help right now, please contact these folks. Please do. Thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. We'll catch you next time.